everyone, and welcome to One Chillport Podcast, episode 329. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today talking about video games. I got a hefty episode this week, but before we get into what exactly we'll be talking about, I just want to give you a heads up. I am still a little bit coffee this week, so I might take some sips of water and not edit it out here or there. Um, so just as a heads up there, but generally I'm feeling pretty good at this point. I don't really feel sick or anything like that anymore. So I feel like I tend to hold on to coughs after, after I get sick or like really sick for, for a long time. I don't know why that's the case, but, um, historically I feel like that has been a thing, but I don't get sick very often. So a fairly decent trade off, I feel like so, uh, so yeah, but anyways, um, this week we're going to be talking about, uh, Tokyo game show news again. I try to hit stuff that's, like, not as mainstream stuff, so hopefully largely the things we'll be talking about are things you have not heard that much about. Um, thankfully, TGS is, like, a really interesting show where there's a lot of little games around and stuff like that, too, so um, there's a couple things here I wanted to, to dig through that um, I think will be interesting to talk about, um, but, you know, we're not talking we're not talk like, like a dragon or anything like that, right? So, the big games of the show. Um, there's some Botan Kaito sales already, which is good to see for, uh, Japan. So I want to talk a little bit about that because there's been some discussion about those. Um, a, I don't want to dig into this very deep, but there was like a brief amount of, um, ex- well, not a brief amount. There was a large amount of leaked Xbox document stuff, and I don't want to get into it. I'm sure every podcast in the world is talking about it this week. Um, there's like one thing I just want to touch on with that. So we're going to briefly touch about that and then, and then kind of leave it at that. Um, and then also, uh, at the end of the show, for everybody's uh, favorite section that they can hopefully skip <laughs> if they want to, um, you know, Tokyo Game Show is an event in Japan, and when you got a gaming event in Japan, guess what happens? There are some NFT game news things, so um, we're going to talk about a few different things there. Also, there was like a larger NFT story as well, like that, like about like the current status of NFTs as a whole that I thought would be worth uh, mentioning because I, I kind of feel like we might be kind of at the end of a lot of these Japanese companies maybe trying to do their push in that market, but we'll see. Who knows? You never know. I don't know what game companies are thinking, um, but before we get into any of that, I played a video game. Um, and it's not Final Fantasy XI. We're not talking about Final Fantasy XI this week. Miracle, Miracle World is happening right now. Um, I finally sat down and played, uh, Barbie and the Three Musketeers, which is like a 2D action platformer, uh, featuring Barbie, as you might be able to guess by the name. Uh, but it was developed by WayForward and put out for, uh, DS, PC, and, uh, Wii. And I've largely seen this game called like a Barbie, like Metroidvania. I'm a little iffy on that definition. It does have some backtracking, um, but I think it's much simpler than that. So I think the expectations of calling it something like that is maybe a little a little misleading. But um, anyways, this is a game based off the Barbie and the Three Musketeer movie. I, I assume I have not watched that movie, um, but it features like CG cutscenes from what looks like a Barbie movie. And uh, actually, if you look at the back of the box, they literally show no gameplay on the Wii version. It is literally just Barbie movie screenshots there. So they're like, please don't look at this video game and realize it's a 2D platformer. <laughs> just buy the Barbie game, please. Um, but anyways, you know, I will say with this game itself, though, at least my personal feeling as somebody who has not played a Barbie game before, um, I don't really feel like Barbie elements are super pre- prevalent here. So when I think like what I would be thinking about with Barbie elements is stuff like, you know, with clothing and things like that, maybe clothing playing a role into the gameplay, those kind of elements that would be typically games for girls. But unfortunately, or the games for girls genre, I should say, but unfortunately, this is more or less 
Well, maybe not unfortunately, but this is more or less just an action game. Um, and I will say there's not a lot going on here when it comes to being an action game. It is very basic platforming. Combat is mostly just kind of there to be there. It does not particularly feel good from that perspective. Um, so what this game's strength is mostly is, in terms of gameplay at the very least, is character abilities because you have a lot of character swapping that happens in this game. There's five different characters. There's the character that I, I guess Barbie plays called Corrine and she uh, has two swords equipped and she can also like grip onto ceilings. So she can kind of like, if she can reach a ceiling, she can grab on and carry herself over to places. Um, you have Miette, which is a cat that can fit into small spaces. And usually there's like a little switch at the end of there to open doors and things like that. Um, there's Vivica, who has like a whip, or like a ribbon whip, I guess you could call it, and she can swing from hooks to kind of like get up on higher places. Uh, Renee has like a violin that shoots projectiles, which largely is used for hitting switches that are just kind of floating in the sky and things like that. And then finally you have Armina. Armina? I think that's Armina. Um, she's like a dancer with fans, and when she dances, it increases her movement speed and jump capabilities, but she's a late-game character, so you, you don't generally use her that much um, for just movement throughout the game kind of thing. So, you know, these characters kind of all unlock as you go through the story, but, you know, as you expand your roster, more and more of their, like, elements are introduced to stages. So, you know, platforming through levels doesn't really have much challenge here, um, but you will always need to kind of like puzzle your way out of a room. So while there's like little depth from, from a, 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 you know, movement perspective, every room is about figuring out how to use each character's abilities to kind of move on to the next part of that room kind of thing. Um, which is actually kind of interesting because things like Barbie gripping the ceiling and things like that isn't always as clear, like where those kind of um, places you can use that ability and things like that. So you do, I will say you do have to like sit down and think a little bit, but it's, it's very like not a ton of depth here. You know, you will, you'll be able to get through it as like, says an adult, right? Be able to get through it without too much struggle, really. Um, there's also some boss fights here as well, but again, the boss fights are mostly puzzles that are mostly about using the character abilities to dodge a boss or, um, or like knock down certain elements to like, you know, basically, stun a boss and, and do damage to them. And a lot of the bosses you can just mash your way through as well. So, um, but they feel more like puzzles than do really with like, than like boss fights. But kind of a key part of this game as well is that there's like collectible money as well so that you can go and find all these little coins around the level. And while there's no real like functional reward you get for collecting these coins, uh, they do two things. One it, it is the actual way that the game kind of, you know, lets you spend that money where you can buy uh, outfits, which basically just changes the sprite for, for Barbie to different colors. I kind of wish there was more dresses and things like that that you could equip. There's actually another sprite with Barbie in a dress as well that I kind of wish was like a character outfit too. But, you know, this game's pretty slim overall in terms of content. And then the other things you buy from the store are screenshots from the cutscenes that you can view in like a gallery or something like that. So those parts, I think, are kind of not that interesting, especially since the like outfits are just reskinned colors, basically, of, of Barbie's standard outfit. However, one thing that is like helpful from the money part is that it gives you a reason to go back. So when you go to these levels, or when you finish the level, there's going to be money you just straight up cannot access your first time through it. So as you go and unlock characters, that gives you more abilities to go back and, and you know, collect that money, essentially. And 
really, you probably shouldn't do this in like a standard playthrough. You probably should just go through the story all at once first. But once you have all the characters in your 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 uh, party, then that's like a good time to go back. So when you're playing the main story, there's probably only like three stages where you really are utilizing every single character and their abilities because you get, you know, the last character fairly late in the game. Um, but what the money lets you do in terms of going back and collecting it is basically allows you to go explore parts of the level that previously were locked away and utilize those character abilities in some more diverse environments from just the final level of the game as well, or final environment of the game as well. So it really gives you an excuse to go back and go re collect that additional money because the money is not something that like respawns or anything like that. You have to collect the money that's remaining in the world itself if you want to buy everything in the shop. But it's more of an excuse to go back and, you know, the game is only about like an hour or two long, probably closer to two hours long um, if you just do like a straight story playthrough. But I think if you really want to see the game you know at its best uh going through all the levels again and recollecting uh the last bits of money with the different characters is, is a is a part of the game i would recommend even if it only adds on maybe like another hour or two of playtime kind of thing so but it's you know short i don't think the game overstays its welcome i think given the mechanics of this game it generally you know is 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 a is good that it's a short game overall um, it is a very nice looking game, I will say, visually. I was playing the Wii version of this, and, um, you know, while it's not like HD or something like that, the PC version, I, I wonder if it's like a higher resolution if you'll play it there. Um, but it is a, a, a very detailed game. The animations of the game look great as well for all the characters and things like that. So, um, again, though, I, I would have really liked some dress variety and things like that. I think that would have added to the presentation. Um, and the music's actually fairly relaxing as well. I definitely went and downloaded the soundtrack to this and <laughs> threw it in my, my playlist after I was done. But, um, you know, I, like I said at the start, I haven't played many other Barbie games and things like that. And I, I think it's hard to say if this is a good Barbie game. I, I just don't know like what makes a good Barbie game generally. Um, but I don't think this really represents a traditional Barbie game that you would see like, you know, a, a Barbie horse adventure or something like that. Right. Um, so I think really what you're getting here is just a good kid friendly platformer. Um, there's a few maybe pain points where there's like some weird buggy collision that might confuse a kid and things like that. Where if you're an adult, you, like even I was just like, I don't know what's happening at this part because for some reason I can't hit the switch only to find out like there's this weird invisible block like sitting in front of it. So I have to hit it from like a different angle. Um, but generally I think the game is very accessible and, and I think anybody could probably get through it without too much trouble. Um, and, and so I think it's like a good kind of first kind of action platformer if you want to give something to someone who's who wants to have that more like casual experience does that replace like a kirby in terms of like what is more casual probably not kirby is probably the better experience for something like that but here's another option especially if you know the kid really is into barbie or something like that but really overall just like a very like solid and cute game so I think I am going to go through and play maybe a few more short Wii games uh, here in the near term. I feel a little stagnant between playing Final Fantasy XI, uh, Tokiden, as well as, uh, the, uh, what's the other game? Archive Fantasia. So I'm hoping to to sit down and play through some of these like shorter Wii games I have. We'll see if that actually happens, but um, you know I'll probably talk about them on podcasts when I come up. But yeah, Barbie was pretty cool. I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad I played it. Um, I, I, I don't think it is one of my favorite games on the system. I don't really think it's like a hidden gem or anything like that. I think people are more just kind of shocked that it is like a 2d action game rather than, you know, some other Barbie experience. Um, I, I, I would be interested in knowing like how somebody feels about the quality of the game as a Barbie game specifically, but, um, I think it 
for me, it kind of just like it, it, it fits a particular role, just like a very cute thing, very easy to approach, very relaxing kind of game. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's like a standout release for me on the Wii versus, you know, something like a Happy Dance Collection, right? Happy Dance Collection. I'm going to mention Happy Dance Collection every day of my life on this podcast, apparently. So, so yeah. Uh, before we get into the d- deeper news things and things like that, I forgot Jillian's Corner last week. Admittedly, I was still, like, coming off sickness, and and it was uh, a lot of things happened leading up to that podcast, so I apologize, um, but here we are today. <laughs> so, thank you again, Jillian, for your support. Fireweed, for your support as well. Um, and then also, we got a new donator this week, month, month, month's the better way, to put that, uh, is uh, Vink. From uh, Japan Retro Direct, he sent over some uh, some some money and said, "Keep doing what you're doing." Like, thank you, Vink. I keep trying to do what I'm doing. <laughs> um, uh, I am maybe thinking about I, I I you know I talked about it at the end of last year, but maybe thinking about going back to like a two or I guess going to rather because I've never actually been here, but um going to like a two uh oh, episode every two weeks kind of thing. Um, I am. I've been kicking around streaming stuff in my brain for a bit, and I think I may have finally found something that I want to mess around with. Um, so we'll see if that happens. But I think uh, freeing up some time um, by by you know only doing the podcast every other week for a little bit just to see how things go, um, I think might be something that would I'm considering doing. I'm not saying that's going to happen right now. I'll let you know when that happens. But that is on my mind um so anyways thank you again for your support though (laughs) Um, we got a question though from jillian this week what games have you started but never finished any you really want to get back to or ones that you solemnly swear swear never to play again i don't know if i have any ones that i solemnly swear never to play again uh maybe moto gp would be the closest thing to that i i was not ready for moto gp in my life um, if you don't know, MotoGP is a uh, simulation motorcycle game. I have the Xbox version of it, I believe. Um, and I don't know how to play those kind of games. Uh, I mean, like, the closest thing I've played to a game like that is Asphalt Urban GT. So, like, and that is a very arcadey game. So, I need to sit down and figure out how to play a simulation racer. Or maybe I should say how to appreciate it in a way that I would find it fun. Um, I don't know if I necessarily will be able to do that. I put it in briefly and was like, boy, oh boy, not today <laughs> and, uh, moved on with my life. But I, I appreciate the effort, the attempt I made to, uh, to play that game. Um, Final Fantasy Explorers, I played on my uh, trip on the plane to Japan and I have not played it since. Um, that is a game I could probably jump back into without any real problem because there's almost no story. Uh, but I have just been playing Tokyo and stuff like that. So I haven't really had a strong burning desire to play another action RPG in that style. Maybe once we wrap up Tokyo, then I'll be okay going back to something like that. Um, but it would be like a good, just like I'm doing nothing game, but I'm just going to sit here and grind. I would like to finish it though. Uh, I was playing black mage, which is not very characteristic of me when it comes to, uh, those kind of games typically. I say that. I played Final Fantasy XIV with Black Mage, but um, initially when I played uh, Realm Reborn. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just need to sit down and uh, get back to that maybe. I also, you know, talked about it last week, Jam with the Band is off the table as well. Um, I guess in mentioning Final Fantasy XIV, that is maybe the biggest one of Final Fantasy XIV. I would love to finish out the content of Final Fantasy XIV. 
I have played every mainline Final Fantasy that's not a sequel to one at the very least. We still got 10-2 and Lightning Returns, right? Um, and then also, the, you know, the 7 remake stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I am a big Final Fantasy fan. And I like was talking about this a little bit on Twitter uh, a couple days ago. But, like, 14 is really just, like, a weird black mark on me. Because I feel like... I don't understand my feelings about Final Fantasy XIV. I don't understand other people's feelings about Final Fantasy XIV. And every time I play Final Fantasy XIV, I'm miserable. Like, there are things I like about it, but putting together the pieces to figure out what makes Final Fantasy XIV work for me or other people is just very difficult for me. And um, one of those things is the combat. I think the combat in fourteen, at least back when I played it, was just way too overwhelming. Like, I really feel like I could not keep track of what was going on a lot of times. And then everybody else says, it's slow, it's too simple, and I'm just like, I do not see how you can see that game is slow and too simple. But, you know, obviously I'm in a very different, you know, mindset than that. So there's a lot of things about Final Fantasy XIV I would love to better understand about myself and better understand about other people, um, but I, I just am not there right now in my life with that. So that is maybe the other one, but, um, there's maybe a couple more. I'm sure there's things I've started and never quite finished, but generally, 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 I am pretty good about wrapping things up. If it's a game that has like an ending, right? I am pretty good about going out of my way and wrapping things up as best as I can for the most part. Um, Snowbreak containment zone. Maybe you could say, um, apparently they kind of wrapped up the main story with chapter 11 or whatever. I, I just don't feel the enthusiasm to go through the rest of that game as well. So I don't know. Um, maybe, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that like, I know the story for that's not going to end. Um, also, I'm kind of a little miffed by the fact that I can't put like, get the story of like the character I actually like. Right. Um, and I don't like most of the characters in there as well. So <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of excuses for me to stop playing Snowbreak Containment Zone, which is uh, nice. Uh, but you know, we'll see. Anyways, thank you again, Jillian for your question thank you again jillian vink and fireweed for your support if you want to donate to me on ko-fi you can do that there's a link in the description of the podcast and the youtube video if you're watching on youtube um and yeah i would support or i would support uh i would appreciate any support you guys do i've been uh including names on the ends of the premiere videos so my idea is that basically if you donated any time between the previous premiere video and this one I'll throw your name in at the end of the video if you want to have your name read off at the end of the video. Um, if that matters to you, I don't know. Uh, it's right now, it's a short enough list of people that I can just say their name and it's good. Um, you know, I don't sit there and like say, do you want to be the rainbow tier name? And so you get a flashing rainbow name that go goes by or something like that. We don't even do that right now. I'm just going to vomit your name out at the end of the video. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. That is how the things are going with that right now. But um yeah, I don't know what the uh my plan is. I I'm I'm after the Hackocks video, I'm at a crossroads where I'm thinking about a lot of different things right now. Streams, Final Fantasy Eleven stuff. Um I do have a video in uh, in mind that is like a normal video that like I also need to go back and like readdress that Animal Crossing video I finished that's awful and I want to rework. Um, and, and then also the Xeno video, but the more I look at the Xeno video, the more I'm like, I might need to rework this, <laughs> this script again, which sucks. But that video is a very sensitive video. I will say it is very anti-Xeno and I do not want it to be unjustified 
in its anti-Xenoness, right? So that's my big thing. I need to make sure I'm being respectful of people who like the Xeno franchise, being respectful of people who work on the Xeno franchise, right? There's a lot of things I need to make sure with that video that is good. But there's still something I want to say about Somerbringer, so I do not think I will abandon that video. Um, but it's just a, it just needs a reworking again, again. But it's just it's in that like Babylon's Fall, Castlevania 64 space of just like, I have to rewrite it till I get it right. It's just, it's too sensitive of a topic. Well, Castlevania 64, maybe not so much, but Castlevania 64, there's a lot of things with the Castlevania 64 video a long time ago that I was trying to figure out. Mostly, that video is a lot of me trying to figure out how I want to communicate about games because I don't want to mislead you when I'm talking about games. Like, Castlevania 64 is a game I love. How do I talk about Castlevania 64 without misleading you to think it is better than it actually is right but i want to focus on the things about what makes me like that game right and so that's kind of where like you know is this a review is this an opinion piece like what is this video kind of thing so that was why that video was so hard but you know this is a development hell video right now but i do currently have the enthusiasm to get it through but actually sitting down and spending the time on it is another big thing what i'm saying is might not happen this year <laughs> So, so we'll see. It might be a next year video, a year's worth of development. Um, anyways, let's get in the news. Um, let's just get this Xbox leak stuff out of the way. Again, if you're like Ben, don't talk about normal game news. I'm going to try to make this quick before we get into the stuff that's actually relevant to us. Um, so there's a big Xbox leak because of the whole, like, you know, Microsoft buying, uh, um, you know, Activision and, uh, basically what happened is somebody accidentally uploaded, uh, the files, of like of all of Microsoft's like future or a lot of Microsoft's future plans for consoles um, and a bunch of emails and things like that unredacted. Um, and it was available to download for the public and things like that. So um, the, the biggest thing I thought was worth really mentioning is that they are uh, listing for their refreshes for the Xbox series S and the Xbox series X. Um, those are going to not have disk drives built into them. That's not to say there won't be potentially an external disk drive accessory, but there's nothing detailed in that document. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, the previous versions being phased out and then the two new versions being diskless. We might be finally starting to see the end of disk-based media for, for game consoles, right? So we'll see where things go with that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is like some kind of external drive or something like that, that gets announced. I think the PlayStation five has had a few of those patented as well. Um, or like there's some, you know, details around that, but not that it's guaranteed confirmed to happen at this point, but I believe there have been signs pointing to that happening whenever they do a system refresh. So it, it would make sense to me. Um, another really quick thing about that. People were really salty about Microsoft talking about looking to buy Nintendo, Three big things to keep in mind with that. Two of them are mine. One I'm going to steal from somebody else, but I'll tell you where it's from. Uh, the first one, you know, Microsoft is always looking to buy Nintendo, I think. I mean, I'm not saying that they are like actively thinking about it all the time, but I think Microsoft would love to buy Nintendo any era of, of their current existence. They have the money to do it. They have the capability to do it. It would give them a huge IP pool that they would love. You know, that, that, that would be a big benefit to them, right? So I don't think that's anything new. I, I kind of assume they always are wanting to buy Nintendo, but actually buying Nintendo is a whole other thing. Two, I believe the emails from 2020, which is a super buy-heavy year as well. So it was something that was on the minds, right? Because there was a lot of basically free money going around for people to go and buy companies and things like that, right? So there's a lot of reason to buy companies at the time. So it makes sense that the comment, the comment came up. 
And the third thing is that, and, and this is from uh, Kyle Bossman's uh, uh, delayed input show, he mentioned the fact that like it is a response to an email within the organization. Someone emailed Phil and like the subject of the email is like random thought. And it seems more like Phil is just kind to be nice about explaining why they would like, yes, that would be a good thing saying that, yeah, that's a good idea. But here's the problems with like us being able to do that. Nintendo has a ton of money. Nintendo not very interested in doing it. Right. Um, and things like that. So I, th- I think, I think it's people overblow it a bit. I mean, obviously there's a big argument about consolidation of companies and things like that and what that means to the industry, what it means for, you know, the business environment in general. Right. Um, I'm not going to sit here and argue about that or whatever, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of overblown, but it's a thing that people would get very emotional about. So it, it makes sense. Speaking of emotional things, let's move on from that. Uh, Bon Kaito sales figures for Japan, the first week, a half week of that actually, um, came out. If you don't know, Japan, uh, typically reports sales figures when it comes to physical games, um, weekly, uh, through media create. I think Famitsu also has a list as well. And uh, it sold 8,000 copies. Um, Japan numbers are always a really weird thing to kind of look at and understand. Um, but uh, the Japanese, or the, not the Japanese, the Xenoblade fans that were talking about this were incredibly upset about these numbers, even though it ranked five on the, the uh, week's uh, sales list that week. Um, I think largely because the game did not meet Xenoblade sales numbers or really even come close to that. So Xenoblade Games uh, Definitive Edition sold like 90k its first week. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 sold like 120k, right? So very different league. Um, but I think when we're talking about Bon Kaitos, it's a very different league of game, right? Not only from a branding part of like, here's this random GameCube RPG. Yes, Model of Soft is involved and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it is it is not this huge IP like Xenoblade's not as big as a Zelda, right? But it's a Nintendo's biggest RPGs. That's a lie. Um, it is a big Nintendo RPG series. I'm going to say Fire Emblem sells much better, I think, than Xenoblade. Um, but anyways, you know, it, I think that the comparing to Xenoblade numbers is kind of unfair. People were complaining that, you know, they weren't advertising the game. I think we have to really step back and ask the question of like, what is successful for Bandai Namco? Like we don't get to see the internal discussions about, you know, how much money is an advertising they're going to do and how much will that actually increase sales? You know, are the people going to buy this just the standard people who are going to buy this and how much is, you know, paying money out to advertise it going to trade off into people actually buying the game, right? Um, this is a very budget re-release as far as I can tell, generally. I don't think... I'll, I mean, work was done on it, don't get me wrong, but it does. it's not getting Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition treatment of a rework, right? It is a, a game with some improved character models, some cleaned up backgrounds, and some quality of life kind of thing. So I think the better... In my opinion, the better thing to look at is probably other games by Bandai Namco that uh, are more in this style... And I'm not saying these games were successful, but, you know, looking at these numbers, we can kind of get an idea of, like, what these types of games typically do for Bandai uh, Namco. And you have Digimon Cyber Sleuth, the Switch port for that. That was, like, only 5K the first week. Um, Klonoa, uh, the collection for that, was about uh, 10K. It's, like, 9.5K, I think, actually, um, that, that first week as well. Um, Hack GU last record was 10k on Switch, but it did sell 60k the first week on PlayStation 4. So again, I'm not saying that those are successful launches from Bandai Namco. And again, this is first week sales only. Uh, but 
It's just, I think those are the more comparable numbers to look at in terms of expectations for what a Botan Kaitos would do rather than, you know, a new Xenoblade Chronicles game or Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. At the end of the day, we don't know what the minimum number sold that Bandai Namco needs to for Botan Kaitos to be profitable, right? Um, so, like, you know, every company's going to be different, right? Neptunia can sell it's like what 5,000 copies and be profitable or something weird like that right versus like Final Fantasy 16 needs to sell millions and millions of copies like the, the rates of what these games profitability needs to be and how many copies they need to sell can be so different from each other right and so I just think that's the big thing to keep in mind with that so um mainly I just like I again I just don't think it's like worth yelling about at this point because we don't really know how things are going to do i think it's one of those things that we'll probably have to just wait and see if bandai namco comments on how it did for them and if it met their expectations or not right so um i still haven't bought my copy yet though i have not contributed to that uh 8,000 copies physical that sold though so <laughs> anyways to get into like actual news stuff or uh, again our news stuff so this is a bunch of niche news stories um, Hopstep Dance put out an ad. If you don't know, last week during the Nintendo Direct, um, the fitness boxing people announced a new uh, game. It is very much still in that style of like a rhythmic motion control game, right? Um, but Hopstep Dance uh, is around dancing, as you can probably guess from the name. And I think the reason why I kind of want to talk about this ad a little bit is because it kind of shows how they're trying to sell the game, um, where fitness boxing is being you know, build as a fitness video game, right? Um, Hopstep Dance seems to be more about uh, trying to teach you to dance. How effective it will be and how effective can a video game be in teaching you to dance uh, with motion controls and things like that? I don't know. Um, I don't know, like, how dancing changes, how often it changes. You know, obviously, Fitness Boxing 2 is a game they continue to support, so Hopstep hop step Dance might be something they continue to support. Um, but yeah, it's like an ad that's basically like this high school girl who's like too embarrassed to dance. Um, and like this, her, her friends are all dancing for like TikTok or whatever, right? Or whatever Japan uses for their short form video thing. And she gets like really depressed. And then she goes to like a karaoke bar where she's, well, she's working at the karaoke bar and she like delivers a drink to a lady who's like in the, the karaoke room and she's playing hop step dance by herself. And she's like mesmerized with it. So the lady shows her and, and then she shows her, her, the lady, her friends dancing on, on social media or whatever. And the lady like encourages her to learn through hot, hop step dance. Um, and then, uh, after a month of playing it, she's ready to dance with her friends. So, and then she gets like really weirdly close to a boy at the end. So I'm like, is, that, is this implied romance? Is this the romance arc of this, uh, <laughs> this ad play hop, step, dance, get yourself a boy. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an interesting way to kind of like sell it as like, Hey, this is a dance learning tool. Um, I don't personally feel like games like we cheer happy dance collection things like that really sold themselves at that i could be wrong don't if you if you know of anything i'd be happy to hear i'm sure there are games that have tried to teach dancing before but the ones i have interacted with i think more of take dancing as just like a, a, a the element of how you interact with the game not like after a month of playing happy dance collection you'll be set to dance <laughs> kind of thing so uh just dance actually might do something like that i don't know if just dance has like a um initiative where they're like you can learn to dance through just dance so yeah anyways 
I thought that was interesting to see that they're trying to position it as this self-help dance game. Magician's Dead, it's been a bit. I don't remember the last time we talked about Magician's Dead on this podcast. It's been a long time. If you don't know, Magician's Dead, old arcade uh, versus game, I guess you could call it, like arena versus game. Uh, I think it's 3v3. What was very interesting about this game is it used a weird control scheme that was like a mix between a Microsoft Connect and using a Wii Remote nunchuck. So you used the nunchuck for character movement, um, and then you had a space in front of the arcade cabinet where you put your hand out, and depending on how you positioned your hands, that would change the different or change you to a different move and things like that. That game, I believe for a while, has been shut down in the arcade. I don't think there's like servers that are active for it anymore. And I don't remember how long ago this was, but it feels like forever ago. It feels like like early PS5 launch, I feel like, is when when this thing got announced, uh, despite not being for PS5. Uh, I just remember it being kind of weird that it wasn't announced for PS5. And still today, it is not a PS5 game. It is a PS4 game. Uh, Magician's Dead Force of the Soul is a console port of that game. As far as I can tell, it does not have a lot of changed content. It looks pretty much like that video game. I don't know like the exact details of it, but that's just my impressions based off the, um, from what I've seen. So it's finally coming out. It's coming out December 28th. Um, they haven't really, or like, I haven't seen if there's any Tokyo game show impressions out there about it. If it's playable at the show floor, anything like that. Um, but it is, uh, using, you know, just a standard PlayStation controller. So I'm kind of curious, you know, how they overcome some of the, you know, differences in control schemes and keeping, trying to keep what they made that game special from a gameplay perspective in terms of like hand movement and stuff like that and how they do that. If they try to do that at all. Um, my, my, I suspect this is pure speculation is, um, one of the things about magician's dead is that like a versus game, you would lock onto the other players. Um, but kind of like in gunslinger Stratos as well, you have a little bit of like free aim, right? So I would imagine there might be a way to kind of like twist around the cursor and things like that to uh whether it be gyro the touchpad probably gyro would make the most sense or um or maybe like using the analog stick uh and using that as a way to like lead shots and things like that a little bit so i i think that's probably what's going to end up happening with it but um i have no idea if this game's going to get played like what the demand is for this but it's coming out december 28th i'm kind of tempted to pick it up if only because i don't know how long this game will be alive and uh, also at launch, I mean, I take a strong guess that the people buying this game are people who are already Magician's Dead players or used to be. So, like, probably just get my butt kicked online if I do. But I always thought Magician's Dead looked kind of neat. So I might give it a check. Or I might check it out when that happens. But we'll see. December 28th. See if I remember. Yohane of the non-any crates uh, variety. Yohane is a Love Live thing. Uh, I don't know much about Love Live, but uh, there's like a new series going on, I think, at the moment. Um, and I think the reason why Yohane uh, is like more action focused games rather than like rhythm ones and things like that is because it is like kind of in a fantasy setting. So uh, the the source anime, I believe, um, or the source spinoff anime, I should say. I believe there's a spinoff anime. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on with Love Live. Don't ask me questions. Um. Anyway, so there's the other Any Creates one that we talked about last week. Uh, Yohane Nuzumazu in the Mirage. Numazu in the Mirage. Let's let's say that. Um, is a card RPG. Um, it's put out by the, pe- the people who did that like bullet game. I forget what it's called. It's like the weird like strategy RPG that looks like a bullet hell game when you look at the box art, but it's not actually one. 
Um, but anyways, it's a card RPG. Um, so it is kind of like random deck of, of card stuff. Um, and you kind of get in these fights and things like that. And there's like this grid you kind of move across, uh, to get through and kind of thing. So visually it looks pretty nice. Uh, there's like a bunch of outfits and things like that. Uh, I think it looks really clean. So I'm kind of tempted to, to check it out. I don't, I think it's a 2024 release early 2024, I believe. Um, it's for switch PS5 and PC. Honestly, I feel like I am more interested in this Yohane game versus um, the Any Creates one. I'm really unsure about the Any Creates one, but in in some ways that makes it probably more important I play the Any Creates one to understand what that game's doing. Um, but I, I generally, like, I don't know. I've been getting into kind of like some weird genres recently, I feel like, and card RPGs or something that, like, I guess this is not recent. I do like card games and arcades, so I think to some extent that kind of extends over to here. Where I'm like, yeah, I'll play the the RPG card game on whatever on PS4 or Switch, PS5 or Switch. I guess maybe I'd pick up the Switch version, but I don't know. It's a game that I don't think performance would matter all that much. So, but anyways, it looks cool. Uh, I might check that one out. We're gonna talk about a video game that we never talk about here, but is one of the biggest video games of all time. Um, Roblox is something that has been getting. Uh, kind of moved around a little bit recently because I think it's coming to PlayStation. So I think that was kind of a big announcement. Um, kind of or the reason I wanted to bring this up was uh, kind of two two different things. One is just to let you know about this happening. And then two is just to give you a little bit of a thought. Um, but uh, a Doraemon game is coming to it called Doraemon Nobita's Go-Go Ride, which is a 10-player racing game uh, coming out this winter. They put out a trailer, but it looks more like a... like development trailer it looks more like hey look at these models we're making and stuff like that and and like how you can use roblox to like customize characters and things like that so it doesn't seem very focused on the racing part of roblox i don't know if roblox has like a set style of racer you can like dump into or if like it is all built from the ground up or whatever i don't know much about roblox it's a big you know kind of sandbox world where you can basically do game development inside of it and there's a lot of drama about it because of how how the uh how people make money off of it and it being not exactly great for a lot of creators as far as i can tell um but uh yeah it is interesting to see well i think that's like one thing that i've kind of always feared with like current modern games is that like when you have licenses and things like that you won't get like interesting licensed games as much you'll just end up with um kind of uh, uh collaborations and things like that where it's like, okay, we made a collab project where Evangelion is in this golf game, but like, it's not an Evangelion golf game, right? It's just like, we have Evangelion costumes in this golf game, but I would want an Evangelion golf game, right? And I, I kind of fear sometimes that like live games and things like that give people kind of an easy out to just do collabs through that and not be like, what does an Evangelion live game look like? Um, not that it's a huge deal or anything like that. We just talked about Yohane card RPG. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I wonder if something like Roblox, like crossover content would be something that I would um, be more interested in versus that. I don't know. I've never played Roblox. I have very barely looked at Roblox. I do not know if I could tell you what Roblox looks like as a video game. Um, but it is interesting that like, this is like a different avenue where they're basically making essentially a game in a game, right? Basically the project spark, like we just announced a project spark Dorymon racing game is basically what's happening here. Right. Um, I know there's like the, uh, uh, Fortnite engine as well that people make games in as well. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see these, like, I guess, super games, right? We get, into, is this, is this the real super game market? 
Um, <laughs> if you don't know, Sega is making a super game that probably is blockchain focused, uh, or at least has elements of blockchain in it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but uh, it's interesting to see games within games basically become a, a bigger official thing, I should say, because I mean, games within games have always kind of existed. That's what mods are, right? Um, but seeing it like maybe a little bit more commonly officially sanctioned to this degree, but I don't know. We'll see if I, uh, download Roblox this winter to play Dorimon Nobita's Go Go Ride. I'm going to take a strong guess. I will not though. Inazuma 11 gameplay finally showed off. I believe this is the first time we're seeing Inazuma 11 Heroes of Heroes Victory Road. I think that's the name, uh, being showed off in playable form. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's the case. Um, I have never played an Inazuma 11 game, which if you don't know, is like a soccer RPG series that was on the 3DS. And I only think a couple of them got localized, I believe. Um, you know, soccer, not exactly the most popular sport here in America, although I think it did come out in Europe as well. I'm curious if, uh, I'm curious how it did in Europe, actually. Um, but there are multiple 3DS games in Japan. Uh, I have never really looked at these games to see what's going on here. So if you're like, this just sounds like Inazuma 11, please forgive me. Um, but yeah, it is kind of basically like a more strategic kind of golf or not golf, a soccer game, um, where it's kind of got like time slowdown and things like that. And you kind of can plan out, you know, what character is going to do. Like we, there's like this segment where like you're the goalie trying to block, um, somebody kicking a ball. And at the same time, you can like sit there and like put little, uh, barriers down where support characters kind of run in and, and they'll also block different parts of the, the, the goal if you, if you put them there and things like that. Um, and then there's like a tension meter that like gets built up depending on like different actions you do. I think in the trailer they showed him like the player like breaking the line briefly just to get some tension and then they turn back around just because it was like too risky of a thing to push through all the way. So it seems kind of interesting. Um, I think for myself, I would probably go play iShield 21 first, but that is a Japanese video game where I'm pretty sure level five is going to try to localize this. So it looks be in English, but yeah, these kind of like, um, more, I don't know what you would call them. Strategy RPG sports games, um, are a genre I've never really thought about, um, beyond iShield. If you want to call iShield one of those, it might not be that. I don't know. I feel like iShield might be, but I don't know. Don't ask me. I guess to some extent in like football games, you do plays and things like that, right? You're like, which play is it? And then if you don't know anything about football, you just pick one randomly and go, I'm just going to control my character however I'm going to control it. But uh, your NPC characters will do whatever they're going to do based off whatever C button you pressed on your Nintendo 64 controller so nobody else knows um, what you know play you did. <laughs> but anyways... Um, so, but yeah, it is like one of those things that I just haven't really thought about, um, taking this more like, you know, slower strategy focus to sports games. I do have, um, another soccer game for what it's called. It's based off like an anime. Somebody gave it to me. I forget what it was called though. Um, but it is like an old anime soccer game. I think people liked that game when it came out, but We'll see if I ever get around to it. I've been jumping around between a few different things recently with Final Fantasy XI, messing around with fighting games, uh, other things that I've been interested in. So, like, I have been poking video games in a lot of different avenues lately, and I do not think gambling games, things like that, I do not know how much space I have to explore something like that in a, you know, reasonable fashion without really sitting down and committing to it. So, anyways, it looks it looks neat. Um, I'm kind of curious, don't know if I'll actually play it ever, but I, uh, think it looks neat. <laughs> there we go. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, 
Uh, this isn't really, uh, maybe it's Tokyo Game Show. Nintendo doesn't really have like official Tokyo Game Show news, but then they kind of announce things during Tokyo Game Show at the same time. That's kind of like the, the we're at E3, but not really kind of deal kind of thing. Um, and they put out like a Mario Wonder trailer and I didn't watch that at all. I think it's like a six minute one. So it's like probably way too much information than what I need, honestly. Um, at this point, I think I'm pretty good on just picking up Mario Wonder at some point and checking it out. But uh, they are putting out Kirby and the Amazing Mirror on Nintendo Switch Online. Um, what's cool about this, though, is that they are going to include online play. If you don't know, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror is a Game Boy Advance Kirby game. And it is really built around you playing with other people, which, you know, if you are me and trying to find somebody else with a Game Boy Advance and a link cable, um, and I think as well needing a copy of Game or Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, I don't know for sure about that, but I believe that is something you also need. I think if you don't have it, you can just play mini games. Um, there was no reality where I would be able to play Kirby and the Amazing Mirror online without going through like an online switch or online emulator or something like that. And guess what? There's probably no reality I still do this, but I do appreciate that it's there and that people can do it and that you'll be able to play that game, hopefully in a decent quality there. Um, always with the Switch Online stuff, uh, they back a net code for it, I think is all delay based. So it is very not great if you don't have a great internet connection or if even one person doesn't have a great internet connection. So wire up your switches if you're going to play Kirby and the Amazing Mirror for the best. That's September 29th, I believe, is when that's coming out. That is the date I have here. There's a VR game that caught my eye uh, at Tokyo Game Show, Soul Covenant. Um, it's kind of like a neat, like, it almost looks like a gothic sci-fi anime thing. It reminds me a lot of, like, PS2 games in, this, in terms of, like, visual aesthetic not in terms of like oh it's like blocky or something like that just like something about the art style reminds me of like ps2 games a little bit but um it's got a really neat look to it um the game itself i would say not so interesting looking it is a wave based kind of combat game so you just kind of seem to get dropped down an arena and then a bunch of enemies spawn and you gotta go clear them out and it's a melee combat focused game as far as i can tell and i don't know how you make a melee combat game work in vr I don't know. It's one of those weird things where, like, you know, the the temptation with, uh, you know, the Wii Remote and things like that is to basically make a game that entirely follows uh, your movement in sword fighting. Um, but, hey, you'll quickly find out that people are going to sit there and waggle and the controller is going to fly around. And uh, there's not a lot of great ways to control, you know, what the player is going to do and balance the game around that. Red Steel 2 found a very, very good middle ground, I think, for that. Where it's like feels like you're controlling it for sure, but at the same time, it is very clearly these very stock animations generally and things like that. So um, I think that's probably the better approach. I couldn't 100% tell because it was just a trailer, so obviously they're going to play the game how they're going to play it, but it did look kind of like freeform melee attack kind of stuff, so... I wonder if that's something that would be like a disconnecting feeling in VR if you had more restrictive melee attack animations and things like that to make sure the player didn't sit there and try to break it or whatever. But visually, it looks very cool um, overall, uh, but it is a PC only thing, I believe. I don't know if it's a VR 2 as well, but I highly doubt I'll ever get a PlayStation VR 2. But PC VR, I could see myself getting into someday, but you know, barely scratched the surface of my original PlayStation VR headset that I got earlier this year. So we'll see when I get to more of that. 
This is not really a Tokyo Game Show, but it was uh, kind of just wrapped up in the uh, news that I was going through when I was going through a, what, what website was it? Inside Games. If you don't know, there's like kind of like a few major websites I usually use for Japanese game news for Gamer, Inside Games, and uh, and uh, what's the other one? Game Watch, I believe. Um, in the case of something like this, this is a machine translated thing, I will say. So just be aware of that. Um, but, uh, Inside Games had a impressions of a adult only, um, I guess you could say life management RPG. Um, this is, uh, through DMM Games browse, which is like a browser kind of thing as well. Well, you can play, so DMM Games is like an actual PC application that would launch. There's a browser version of it, and I believe there's an Android version of it. I think that's how that works. Um, but if you don't know, there's like, there's like 18 plus, uh, mobile game kind of things out there and uh they're usually on dmm games and like some browser thing a lot of times and occasionally on android as well um and so i don't think this is specifically an like an erotic game in terms of like actual you know naked time in there um but it is a more kind of mature game in terms of um uh topic i guess maybe um, it is a game where you play basically this dude who's just kind of climbing the ladder of society uh, he's investing money to make money. Um, he is kind of like a thug, so he is like fighting people, it seems like. And then the big thing, you know, being called Harem of Tokyo is um, it is a harem of like a ton of women. Um, I will say the art in this game, and I feel bad about this. It looks like AI art to me. There is an aesthetic now that like just looks like AI art now. And like there's actually this thing that went on with like the uh, Slayers to like the old anime slayers where people were accusing the artist, I don't know if it's a lady or guy of doing AI art because of the style he chose or they chose to do for a dojin they did recently. And then they had to like show their process. Cause like, no, it's not AI art. I drew this. This game looks like AI art, but like, I just feel kind of bad saying that with like, without really knowing. Cause I don't know. It's, it's hard. I don't know. AR has a particular look to it a lot of times, and but it all is all trained off people, right? So obviously there's original art that also kind of looks like that, but looks like that to me. Anyways, that's not even the point of it. But um, so there's like these fairly lewd scenes that kind of show off the lady uh, moaning and things like that when when your character is uh, together with them. Um, but then they actually have uh babies. They you get a baby. And uh, they go through phases of life. They become a kid and they become an adult and then they go off and do their thing or whatever. And I thought that was kind of interesting that they like, <laughs> like put in the, the like having a child process into this mobile game kind of thing. Um, I could not really figure out from the article what the child does. And if they, like, when they grow up, do you get a benefit from that? Or if there's just like, hey, it's just, you guys just had, lovey time and things happen and then you go they're like then you have a child welcome to this world uh i thought it was kind of interesting the person who wrote the article i for, i don't know their name um they also seemed fairly amused by this uh this as well so i don't know it's just kind of a weird thing to see like a literal baby just like hanging out in a game like that i mean obviously there's like the sims and things like that as well but i feel like sims is about the process of raising a baby where this game seems to be more about like having some horny AI looking art <laughs> ladies that you uh, harem and then all of a sudden you start having kids with them apparently. So, so yeah, that was kind of a, uh, kind of interesting. Um, this is back to Tokyo game show. Although this was announced, I think like a month ago, it's one of those games I'm like super, 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 super skeptical of 
is uh, Project Mugen. Um, it is basically, you know, kind of feels like it's within that Genshin Impact space of just like very clean looking anime aesthetic uh, action combat kind of thing. And, you know, there's different characters and you swap between them in combat or something like that. But kind of the weird thing about this is that, like, it's set in an urban environment and they're like, why don't we just use Spider-Man movement? <laughs> so all these characters just have, like, magic, like, spider web skills from Spider-Man kind of thing. Um, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, really. I think, I don't think Spider-Man has a, uh, uh, you know should necessarily have an exclusive like oh this is how a character moves through a game i i really don't mind them doing that just taking a movement system they like and just kind of justifying it and throwing it into the game but it, it, it's one of those games where it's like a free-to-play thing and like visually it looks really impressive but like when i look at the game it's really hard for me to figure out like structurally what's going on um it's like a free-to-play thing with like four players online uh but like and, like, one of the girls has, like, a gravity gun move or whatever. You can pick up, like, a bunch of objects in the environment and throw them and stuff. But, like, everything I've seen so far is just kind of, like, beating up characters in, like, the middle of a street or, like, on a rooftop and stuff like that. And I'm just like, what What are you doing in this game, I guess? Um, which is kind of a weird thing to ask, maybe. But, like, I, I feel like there's games like Doka V and things like that from, like, the Black Desert people where I look at it and just like, I don't know if I believe this is a good video game. <laughs> like, it just looks fairly looks like it maybe is a little too good to be true a lot of times honestly but i don't know it just something about it just looks off to me in terms of how it looks maybe i just like so like um you know antsy because of like video game trailers from you know the ps3 era and things like that where it's just like this just looks like there's something missing here that makes this look like a video game um and when that something is missing, it makes me feel like the presentation was the focus and actually making the video game maybe wasn't as much. So it is kind of funny that like I was thinking about it just like it kind of was a thing for a long time, you know, thinking back to like PS3 era and things like that. We're like in the U.S. market, we had just kind of like, you know, the console market and things like that and like the more traditional release things and things like that. And like these kind of like weird free to play games that just kind of showed up out of nowhere. Um, we're always like from the Asian market and you're like, Oh, that's like the stuff they play in Korea and stuff like that. And I feel like at the time I would have thought of those as like lesser experiences and things like that. But in the modern day, I feel like that is like, <laughs> that is the stuff that gets really successful here in the west so it's like we were just behind on the curve i guess i don't know so so yeah but um you know it's one of those things that like i think i talked about genshin impact and that was first shown off i was like this looks okay i don't know what this game is but it looks reasonably polished and sure enough people love that so you know don't take me like questioning project mugen as me saying that project mugen won't succeed or whatever but i think it's like netties and uh some developer called naked rain but i don't think they've done anything before N netties obviously big money company in the gaming space but uh naked rain I, I i couldn't find any like sign that they previously had done anything before which makes me also skeptical but you know I am somebody who just needs to see a video game be a video game a lot of times. And until I see your video game be a video game, I'm very cautious of your video game. 
a lot of times. Which is why, like, near Automata, when I saw that game, I was like, I don't think I like this. And sure enough, everything I thought that game was going to be, it was. Um, and I was very disappointed. So, so yeah. Oh, this is a long episode, but don't worry. If you don't want to hear about NFTs, you can leave right now if you want to. But I don't have anything to plug this week, really. So uh, feel free to leave right now. But we're going to talk about three NFT news stories. One is a follow-up to a previous news story we had because of um, uh, Konami's involved. Uh, another is uh NFT game that is kind of an interesting, like... It's in an interesting spot business-wise because it's kind of doing some stuff that like I would typically expect out of a VR game. So we'll get into that. And the last story here is kind of like a general news story that was going around about NFT prices and stuff like that. You probably saw it, but I just want to talk about it a little bit. So we're going to go into these real quick. Um, anyways, Konami, if you don't remember, uh, we were talking about a lot of game companies talking about their NFT strategies, um, you know, three, four months back at this point, maybe a little bit further back. Uh, because there's a lot of like Bitcoin or not Bitcoin, uh, blockchain kind of, uh, conferences going on in Japan. And, uh, the Asian market is still very, um, active when it comes to NFTs and cryptocurrencies and things like that. Um, how long will continue to be active is kind of up in the air at this point. Um, but a lot of game companies are still investing, including Bandai Namco, Square Enix, things like that. That is not me saying that like, oh, there's something that must be here. I just think it's interesting that game companies continue to invest in this space. Um, even though, the, you know, and at least from the Western perspective, it's definitely viewed as like a bottomed out market at this point, right? Um, so anyways, um, but Konami announced a uh, NFT game called Project Zircon. Um, they really didn't show much of anything. They basically just said characters are stored on the blockchain. And um, it seems to be taking like a very like Mega Man Legends 3 approach of just like you as an investor in this game buying an NFT will get to help decide the story of this world. As far as I can tell, this is a machine translated article. I don't think anybody is really bothering to translate this in the West. I didn't go look, but a lot of these NFT stories, I feel like are just Japanese stories at this point. Um, but it is, uh, so that's kind of like, it seems to be the pitch of this game is that like you as an investor will have an impact on what the lore is, what the names of things are, things like that. Um, Basically, they showed off like four pieces of art and that's it. Personally, I'm of the mind this will probably never get further than that. Um, I feel like a lot of NFT games get announced and never really go that much further. Million Arthur is like one of the few that made it through as well as that one Sega game. I believe both of those games are actual video games you can play now. Uh, Coin Musume also made it through. <laughs> but um, at least these bigger company ones, I feel like they kind of like announce things and don't necessarily do anything with them a lot of times. But anyways... Um, it's just interesting, though, because Konami, if you don't remember when they, we talked about it before, they were kind of very skeptical about entering this space. Um, although maybe the context of the question matters, because I believe at the time they're talking about their existing franchise. So like the, the guy who was talking about it from Double Jump Tokyo, which is uh, the company that's kind of involved in a lot of these kind of like NFT game uh, things. Uh, I believe he was asking about um, Momotaro Densetsu. Uh, which if you don't know, the Momotaro game that is like really popular on the Switch in Japan is like a board game train game kind of thing. And that's actually, there's that Tokyo Game Show. It's the uh, worldwide edition. That's, that's not, it's not in English. It is a game where you go around the world. So you do go to America in this game uh, and go out like on this, our non-existent train system or something like that right not non-existent but you know much more limited compared to japan um and stuff like that 
But uh, that franchise there, like the guy who was at Double Jump Trick was like, oh, that franchise would be good as like an NFT game. And Konami was like, mm. Um, so it's just interesting to see them like after being like, mm, and talking about the fact that like the U.S. really like bit them in the butt about uh, NFT games and U.S. fans of games. Um, that they would once again try here not that long afterwards. So I don't have any confidence this will go through, um, but we'll see uh, where, where that goes. Um, another NFT game that I want to talk about was Elemental Story World. What's interesting about this is it's a game that very much looks like a Puzzles and Dragons kind of game. So like kind of like a puzzle game and then you get characters, I'm assuming NFTs, and those characters have different skills and abilities related to the elements and the patterns on screen and things like that. Um, however... When I was looking into this game, I found that Elemental Story World seems to more or less be an adaptation of an existing game called Elemental Story. And from what I could see as screenshots, these games look pretty much near identical. So it seems like what they're doing in this case is instead of building a new game, they're taking an existing game and basically applying NFTs to the characters of that game and then... Uh, and then repurposing that. So if you want an NFT version of that game, you can play that. But there's also the original Elemental Story. I don't know how Elemental Story is doing. It's still around. It is an old video game. So I assume it has some consistent income today. I don't know if it's like on its last leg. So they'll just like, well, let's try another attempt to repurpose this in a way that might make sense. Um, but it was a very like VR-like thing where like, you know, Capcom isn't going to develop a VR Resident Evil game, right? But they sure as hell will take Resident Evil 4 and repurpose those assets in that game for VR. And that's what this reminded me of. So I thought that was an interesting approach to see them do that. So, And the last story here is a general story that is not related to games at all, but I think is very relevant in the context of Japan still investing in NFTs and things like that as a company thing, is that um, uh, this is actually The Guardian is where I sourced this from, but um, apparently like 95% of NFTs in the world are essentially considered worthless at this point. Um, I don't know what those 5% are. I don't know how valuable those 5% are at this point. But, you know, the majority of NFTs that were created basically have no value, um, which obviously, you know, in the Western market, in the U.S., we've kind of pushed back against NFTs for a while now um, from like the Twitter space. But then also when the crypto market kind of bottomed out, NFTs kind of went with it as well, right? Not bottomed out. Crypto market, I don't know. I don't know what the current state of the crypto market is. Don't ask me. I don't care. Um, the only reason I care about this is the Japanese game companies. <laughs> so, like, uh, it is... This made me think of just, like... I'm sure this, like, article coming out didn't do NFTs any favors. I'm sure, if anything, it probably was further knocked down from this uh, report that happened. Um, however... It did make me think about just like how much longer will companies like Square Enix, companies like Capcom, Konami, Bandai Namco continue to invest in this space? How much longer are they willing to do this? And I am not an expert on this stuff. I'm not going to say anything, but I feel like in my gut, like I think probably next year, if things have not changed for this space, we will probably see this stuff really start to fall off. Um, you know, I think Square Enix still has some very minimal success with Million Arthur. I'm sure it's not as successful as the initial launch of Million Arthur, um, the NFTs for that. But I did go to their website and it does seem like people are still purchasing those NFTs to some extent. There were ones that were sold out and then um, they sell them in booster packs as well. They're about 25 bucks for a booster pack um, right now if you do conversion and stuff like that. 
Um, and then the actual individual, um, if I remember correctly, the individual ones used to be, I think it varied depending on how many were out there or something like that. I don't really understand how NFT value works, but, um, the nice thing about the million Arthur ones though, is that the million Arthur art is nice. I mean, it's the same thing. I think people felt about like the Shin Megami Tensei thing. We're like the art's nice. Just, I don't care about buying an NFT. Uh, so, so, um, I, I think that is like puttering along, but I do not have a lot of confidence that it's going to um, expand anywhere further. I don't. I do not think we'll see Square Enix announce any more NFT games and things like that. But you know, I say that as somebody who doesn't know anything about this, just as like kind of my gut feeling about this stuff. So maybe next year we'll have our final NFT news story and we can uh, move on like everybody else has. <laughs> Part of me wishes we could just move on from this. It's interesting to hear all these companies and the, the justifications they make for continuing to invest in this space. I think it says a lot about those companies and how they invest in games in general. And because of the current state of this market, I think they're a, mo- a lot more upfront about how they invest in things in this space right now. Um, but I do think that I am kind of tired talking about this. I, I think I am at the point where I look at it and say, I just don't see anything coming out of this really. Like, I am somebody who is, like, the most part, like, if you can figure out something and make it work, I will look at it and be like, sure, do it, I guess, right? But, like, NFTs have been a big question mark for me for a long time. Because of game companies continue to talk about them, though, we've had to continue to ask the question of what do NFTs mean for games? And uh, the answer so far has been basically nothing. <laughs> Which maybe is not a surprise to anyone, including myself. But, you know, I feel like I'm ready to move on from this new story. I'm ready for bots to stop, like, adding at me on Twitter anytime I want to talk about this as well. That's the frustrating thing. It's like, mention it, like, once, and then you just get, like, five tweets of, like, bots being, like, cryptocurrency. I'm like, no, get away from me. Get out of here. That's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Whatchillport.com is the website. Um, like I said, not really any big news things at the moment for me to share. Um, still working on the PCFX fan club podcast stuff. So working on that at the moment. Um, I do want to get some, maybe some podcast highlights that will go up on the YouTube channels, like reviews for the OCP plus channel, but we'll see if that actually happens anytime soon. I've been antsy about that. I've been antsy about a lot of things after the, um, hack Ox video came out. Thank you again, anybody who watched the Hackox video. It is pretty much dead in the water at this point. Uh, I think for the last 72 hours, it's floated just under 200 views. So unless there's like some switcheroo that happens later, it gets some... Um, what is this thing? I'm going to open this YouTube video. I hope it doesn't play any audio. Um, but this is for me later. Um, yeah, oof, I don't think it's gotten a single view in 24 hours. Um, but, you know, sometimes that stuff just gets stuck and then uh, eventually it gets unstuck like the Babylon's fall video got stuck for a very long time then it got unstuck eventually so that's just how it goes I might rename the video I don't know it's called the Xeno game for everyone right now I might make it more distinct of saying Xeno Saga because I do very heavily focus on Xeno Saga at the very beginning of the video even though I just say Xeno so I might do something around around that language instead um and see if that helps uh with it but who knows? People seem to really like the art Cargadin did, though, so I really appreciate her doing that. I think it got way more traction because of that thumbnail as well. So, again, if you're listening, Cargadin, thank you for creating that thumbnail for that video. Anyways, that's it. Um, Wonkshwater.com is the website. And, uh, yeah, if you want, you can support me on Ko-fi. Um, otherwise, we'll be back next week with who knows what, where life will take us. Um, 
I might try streaming again sometime soon. Don't know what that looks like though, where I'll be streaming. I might just stream on Twitch. I kind of want it to be a little bit more on the down low initially, so I might just do that. Might not even, might not even, might not even announce it before I do it. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, I kind of a little antsy about streaming again because there's a lot of issues that I kind of built up with streaming over the years and. I want to address those issues, and I if I end up in the exact same spot immediately, I don't want to just like feel stressed to, that I created a bad product, right? Um, so I want to create a scenario where I feel like I can succeed and figure out what I want to do with that kind of thing. But for now, I leave you. Goodbye.